It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, December 14th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that, man, I just wish they could connect on some more of those shots for us. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's where, it's where it's at right now. All right, we'll get into the Avs game on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with the brilliant Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That's where it will keep up to date on our episodes and the latest Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at Gmail. That's how you get your mailbag questions answered, which we will be getting to later in the show. We are also going to touch on some of the GM meetings news and what came out of that. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Russ, uh, before we get into the mailbag questions and the GM meetings, we got to talk about that game against the Avalanche. And I, I was really pleased to see Felix Sandstrom get the start. Mm-hmm. It's something we've been talking about getting him in more games. We thought it might have been over the weekend against Arizona, but uh, it turned out he was playing in Colorado, and I, I think he did okay. I think you know there was just some unfortunate lapses that led to again breakaways. I think this is where the Flyers are starting to struggle now. Is like a lapse that leads to a breakaway. Yeah, I mean. You know, it's funny. I get all these tweets and and such, and it's always like, send this guy down. Is this guy ready? It's like, you can't act like that, or an organization can't act like that during the season. Young players are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Even young players that you're hoping that, you know, turn into really good players like Morgan Frost, they're going to make mistakes. The thing with the Flyers is it always seems like their mistakes do lead to, you know, catastrophic consequences but in this league right now a lot of mistakes end up in the back of your net like that's just the way it is yep but nobody plays mistake free hockey nobody like that's just so you have to overcome that with scoring and the flyers don't have any of that yeah i think it's the scoring obviously i mean that's the (laughs) red alarm right Um, but i think it's also secondarily this the lack of speed right because when you have those breakaways and nobody can get back enough you know, back fast enough in order to take a swat at it with their stick and have a legit shot at stopping it. That's a problem too. And Flyers do have a couple of guys that can get back, but you know, and it obviously depends on the individual play itself. But I think that is a secondary issue with the kind of mistakes that they're making right now. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, you can see right away, Cam York's their fastest defenseman. Like that's, that's obvious. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but it does, show what you're talking about and and Sandheim's a really good skater too he's just not at that York speed but right you do have to have two or three of those guys on the blue line now you do because everybody's faster every team you're gonna face is fast I mean Colorado's down a lot of guys but even the guys they have in there are pretty still still fast 
And and that's you know that that's definitely the issue. You know, Sandstrom didn't do anything wrong. It's not his his fault. He's been good this no. year. But what's interesting is we all thought this wasn't going to necessarily be a great team. Well, the only thing that we didn't know is that it would be worse than last year's team. Like last year's team at this time was like 13, 12 and something. And that's hard to believe because this team has zero chance of getting to 500. Like this year, you just want things to go right in the sense that, hey, you win some really good ones. If you lose some tough ones, fine. But you're moving in the right direction. Right now, they're kind of stuck in the mud. They're not really in any direction. And and that's the thing that the coach has to sort of cure here is get things moving in the right direction. And if that means moving off of, you know, his rigid stance of how you have to play hockey, then that may be the way. I mean, again, I just still with the cap news that came out that, you know, we're going to talk about. Um, I got to tell you, there's no easy fixes here. And so there's no guarantee next year is any better via trade or free agency. This is where the coach is going to have to really, the coaching staff is really going to have to, you know, pull some magic here. Well, I think you, know, you mentioned Cam York in there being one of the, the speedier guys. Yes. I want to talk about him yeah. in this game. You know, he's now been back for a couple of games. And I think, you know, we talk sometimes about how there are particular players who somehow play better in the NHL than the AHL and are more suited to that style of game. And I want to wait a couple more games before I say this for, for sure, but I'm leaning in that direction with Cam York right now because I think that his instincts are really good right now. Mm -hmm. He's making a, some small mistakes, as you do, but I think that he's really showing himself to be somebody who's going to go that extra step. And, you know, he followed up on his own shot to yes. get that goal. And I think that not a lot of guys on the Flyers would do would play it that way. No, um, he's not afraid to step in offensively when he needs to, but also he can get back. Yeah. And I think that's what's important. Yeah, that is what's important. I mean, look, I think we all knew he was capable of playing in the NHL, but I think we all knew that the coach was just trying to make a point and kind of like be like, get better, kid. You got to play my system a little yeah. more. And that's fine. And, and maybe it will benefit him in the long run. So. He did that. He's back up. I, I think he's up to stay. I would be surprised if he took a step back. So, yeah, I mean, when you add, I mean, again, this is, and I don't want it to be like a total thing against Nick Sealer, so I'll drag Justin Braun into it too. You know, it's a big difference between Cam York and those two guys. And that's why I also say you should bring up Zamula because there's a big difference between him and those two guys. But again, the coach is going to have to be willing to give up some of this toughness and rigidness on defense to be able to get puck moving and a little more offense at some point he's going to have to do it because that's today's nhl when tony d'angelo is back i am thinking sealer is the guy that's going to come out i mean this, this is point, what we're thinking based on but, play, uh, right I, <laughs> you said right like you're not sure either so well <laughs> i'm not yeah. sure it, it, yes logically yes Am I sure of this? No, I am not sure. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, if we were coaching this team, we would take yes. out Nick Sealer and then eventually get Zamula back up. And that's where, you know, Braun loses his spot, right? Yes. I mean, ideally, that's what should happen. Yeah, I do want to talk about special teams from that game as well. 
the penalty kill still looks really strong. Yeah. I was very impressed with it. They kept the abs to the outside. They limited, I mean, the Flyers defense limited high danger shots for most of the game mm-hmm. for the abs. And so I feel like, you know, there, there are heading in the right direction there and getting a little bit more consistent each game. Unfortunately, it's not enough to prevent all the goals, but uh, it's the power play again. You know, they had no shots on goal in two power plays. Plus they had the shorthanded goal against and, uh, you know, and that was like the dagger in this game. So, so two things. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. People, who want to argue with me that there's not enough talent on this team to have a good power play. I, I will fight you on that because there is now getting them to play like a cohesive power play. That's, that's on the players and the coaches and it does need to happen because if nothing else, you can't carry a bad power play into next year with a lot of the same players. So you have to cure it at some point and you might as well do it now. As far as the other point that you make um, with it's interesting because right now they're able to play a hard defensive game for most of the game. But if you noticed in that third right. period, some of those high danger chances were happening because they just couldn't hold it back anymore. And and that's where the offense has to bail them out. And again, that is going to have to come from the players and the coaches. It's easy to just say, hey, let this team go in the gutter and, and be a, uh, a tanking team. But like I said, they're not getting Connor Bedard. So if you're not getting Connor Bedard, um, you'll get somebody good while you're still trying to cure things. Because again, you don't want to be in a situation where next year you're not really any better. You could only pick up a player, maybe two, and you're still wondering about young players. You're not going to be much better than this next year. If that's the case, you have to start turning the corner somewhere, even if it's just baby steps. Well, you were talking about, you know, getting better on the offensive side mm-hmm. and having the offense bail you out. One thing we were harping on was that six on five pulling the goalie. And, uh, you know, aside from that, which it was actually successful, was. they got one. Yep. Uh, and they looked much, much better at yeah. it. The puck movement was better. The choices were better. Like everything about it was was better, at least the first go round. Uh, on the six on five, uh, but they were, you know, having a lot of pressure towards the end of the game mm-hmm. as well before they pulled the goalie. And so you can see to your point, those flashes of it, yes. they can do it and they can do it against good teams. Yeah. They just have to do more of right. it in these games. Right. And that's where the consistency and all that other stuff comes in. Like that's where, I mean, you have a lot of professionals in that lineup. They're not all young kids. I think that's the misnomer here. Everybody's acting like, well, you know, it's a young team, whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, some of these guys have to legitimately want to change Mm -hmm. and want to change their game. And, you know, I think after the trading deadline, we're going to see more of um, the kind of play that the coach wants because that's when there'll be some trades made. But, again, I would be trying to make those trades now simply because with the cap the way it is, if there's teams that are desperate now, then take advantage and and do it now. There's no reason to wait until the trade deadline if you can do something. Well, we are going to talk about that cap and some more info out of the GM meetings, plus get to your mailbag questions coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer 
esports, and of course, the NHL. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like ours, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, before we dig into our mailbag, we had a Board of Governors meeting in the NHL. And I think the biggest thing, other than the controversy, which we will get to, is that the cap is still only going to go up about $1 million tentatively right now. Yeah, that's something where I know people were writing $4 million. I never bought into the four, but I certainly was hoping for two or three for teams. And now that you know, Gary Bettman has gone low with one and not really talking about going higher. Not to say it can't, just says that's all he'll commit to right now. Um, right. That's a little warning shot for for GMs. Like, hey, if you thought you were going to get out of your cap crunch for next year, you're probably not. So you're going to probably have to, you know, start working on it. Yeah, I think it does put the Flyers in a very difficult situation uh, if Chuck Fletcher thought he was going to have any wiggle room to work with. But uh, I think I do appreciate him at least saying as much just because it gives everybody more time. You have to, to right? I mean, yeah. Something out. Yeah. Yeah. So at least it gives them more time. Whether that'll help in Chuck Fletcher's case remains to be seen. But uh, I, I do think it's an important thing to know. The other thing that was a big part of the Board of Governors is, of course, the 30-year anniversary for Gary Bettman being the commissioner. And, man, it just really gets me thinking because, you know, they're looking at it in a celebratory fashion and uh, in terms of what he's been able to do to expand the game in North America. And I certainly agree that there are good things about Gary Bettman's term as, as commissioner, but it, it begs the question for me, is 30 years too much for any commissioner, let alone Gary Bettman? Is that, should there be a term limit here to just invite change and to make sure that the league is always looking forward instead of staying stagnant with similar leadership over too long a period? I mean, I think term limit is something fair to, to look at and vote on. I do. Uh, Here's what I could say about Gary Bettman, because I've done a lot of research with books and have lived through the whole Gary Bettman era. John Ziegler was a lot worse. And, oh yeah, you know, like his plan for expansion for the NHL was going to fail drastically. The only thing is, is that part of his plan that Bettman carried over was Arizona. And that's still sort of a weird spot for the league. But the salary cap has helped the league. I mean, again, you could just look at the Flyers. They couldn't help themselves. They were just trying always to outarm themselves over the Rangers and other teams in that division when it was an uncapped world, and they still didn't win. So I do think some teams were saved by that in the sense that they weren't going to, you know, be in worse shape every year. Because I think I think some of them would have been in a lot worse shape for a longer period of time in the cap world, if, in the uncapped world, if there wasn't a cap. So there's that. Uh, the Winter Classic happened under his watch. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, December 17th, I have the release of my Winter Classic book on digital. 
so people can get that if they want on a digital download. But again, if you go back to that and part of the part of what I talk about in the book is that saved the NHL. Like that was a big cash cow for the NHL that they needed. And it was something that was flirted with. Remember the outdoor game in Vegas that was sort of fogged in, but they played it. Well, it got a lot better after that. So, you know, you have to weigh the good with the bad. There's always both. Exactly. And that's I, there's a lot of things that Gary Bettman has done that have been great. I, I think the outdoor games, although they kind of overdid it for a while, but they pulled it back and figured out, I think, what the healthy balance is. But, you know, and they've been willing to try certain things. I just think he's been there too long at this point. And it's just time. Like that, that is just my opinion that I feel like for him, is he going to innovate anymore? I don't think so. And I think it's somebody, it's time for somebody else to take the reins and to help move the league forward, especially in terms of the issues that they're trying to deal with. And, you know, where he says that he doesn't see racism as a league problem. He doesn't see the digital ads being an issue. Well, here's, like, the, he just, here's the thing about the digital he ads. Just, but that aside, I'm just saying in terms of the bigger picture, I think he's just sort of somewhat in denial of some of the fundamental issues with the league and that it's time to bring in somebody else to solve those problems. But it doesn't deny all the good that he has done for the league either. Right. And we know Bill Daly's next in line, so it's, it's going to happen at some point. The digital ads, like he can't say anything negative against it. He was never going to do that. But I think the confusion for media and fans is, hey, you've got this extra money coming in from digital ads. You've got this extra money coming in from from gambling revenue. Uh, aside from Arizona, who's in a very small place, which is a drain, and maybe Florida, you know, most franchises are doing pretty well at the gate. But again, it does make you wonder. This is where the NFL does a better job than the NHL, and that is they really get on those owners who have like stinking kind of franchises and aren't and don't don't do well, don't draw well, whatever, and they put a lot of pressure on them. The NHL really doesn't do that. And that's why the Arizonas and the Floridas continue to exist, but don't really pull in that much revenue. If they pulled in more revenue, you kind of wonder if this would even be a discussion. Yeah. And it's it's a league where the owners have more obvious power than in maybe some of the other leagues out there that we know the owners are really in charge in all the sports leagues. But with the NHL, it's more apparent. And I feel like we need somebody who's stronger, who's going to rein them in a little bit more. Yeah. You know, commissioner's jobs used to be like for the fans, but that's more than 30 years ago. Like now it's, you know, they basically work for the owners and it's been that way for God, like I said, at least 30, 35 years. But when I was a kid, commissioners were all about, Hey, it's about the sport and about the fans and making sure the sport's really good. And you know, now it's like revenues first, like that's it. Yeah. All right. All good points of discussion and we'll see how long Gary Bettman sticks around, I guess, because there are no limits right now, but uh, maybe somebody with more power than me can bring that up at the next Board of Governors meeting. All right. Our first question comes from Marty. Do you think that the Flyers would burn a year of Cutter Gautier's ELC after he's finished college this season or shut him down before 10 games? Well, he doesn't get 10 games because he's a college player. If he comes over, he's burning right. a year of ELC, even if he plays one game. That's that's the edge right. that the college players get, right? So it's yep. either you have him come over and burn the ELC or you don't. My recommendation is you don't. I, I don't see a rush to do it. I don't see how that really matters for next year. And I also think there's a good chance he's going to want to go back anyhow. 
and, and go one more year in college. So I would weigh it out. I wouldn't leave it up to the player because at this point, the team is in flux. I don't think they should have Cutter Gauthier do that. I don't think there's a reason to burn the EL, a year every ELC either. Not yet. Next year, sure. I agree. And that I really think he'll wait till the offseason to make a decision about whether he wants to go back to school or not. And my guess is that he does go back to school. He's getting a taste of like, especially the Boston hockey world. And I think that he is enjoying it tremendously. Yeah. Once he so, gets a bean pot under his belt, he'll want another one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, next question from Andrew uh, as just a big picture question. Is there really a direction for this team? I can see Anisimov being picked up as a, third liner for a contending team with an opening didn't like the d'angelo pickup when it happened is the answer trading heart for a hall and starting over well we've talked about it um i'm going to say the chances are heart is going to be here so i don't think that's ever going to really be uh, a possibility would they force that no probably not not with john tortorello there because he's again you're going to have three more years of him and if you're going to try and sell him on a rebuild with no Carter Hart for three years, it will be awful. Like you wouldn't even want to do it or even try it. So you're going to have to go this other direction. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think the direction of the team is they're going to do what John Tortorella says. They're going to play better away from the puck. They're going to be more defensive. And then, you know, the offense will do what the offense is going to do, but it has to be responsible. They're going to get more players like that. They're going to get rid of the players that don't do that. Yeah, I think that is the way to go. I just don't see them trading hard. I think that he's too valuable yeah. in terms of who we have left, who's even marketable on this team, and mm -hmm. he's one of the few. So I don't see them getting rid of him in order to do this. I think just uh, it's going to be attrition of the other guys. Now, if he says he wants out, that's a whole other story, right? But we won't oh, sure. deal with that right now. All right. Uh, one more question. This segment, uh, C-Mac wants to know what is going on with Wade Allison? They told us two to three weeks and he's been out six weeks now. This is what happens with Wade Allison. I saw him in the press box a few times. There's no way of me telling if he looks better. Sure. He's walking around. Okay. But you know, that's different from skating and scoring. Again, this is the problem with that dual injury that he had. I knew that that first um, guesstimation was going to be under and it was going to go, it was under for the team and it's going to be over for him. Now it's even gone beyond what I thought it might be. So I really don't have an answer other than with Wade Allison, it's always going to be longer. Yep. It's such a shame, man. Ugh. Love that kid. Yep. All right. We've got more questions from our mailbag coming up next. Russ, we have a fun question from our friend of the show, JD. He wants to know, does Nick Delorier get a Gordie Howe this season? I think so. I mean, I I don't see why he wouldn't. I think it would probably come against one of the Metro teams. Yeah, I think if he scores another goal, I think he just has one now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if he scores another goal, I can see him picking a fight just to get closer and then <laughs> like trying to make it happen somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe an empty net goal, he gets, you know, he gets the assist yeah. on that, something like that. Something like that. Just to, you know, the machinations with his teammates. I think people support that sort of thing. Yep. And I think it's fun every now and again. Me too. All right, this is a good question, too. Who's the best underrated player in the Metro division? Uh, the best underrated player? I'm going to say it's uh, Jesper Bratt. He's really having a great year. He 
probably was even underestimated by his own team as far as the contract they offered him. So I'm going to go him mm-hmm. because he's turned into a star in this league. Yeah, I'm God, I'm thinking about it. And I don't know if it's possible for this guy to be considered underrated, but I'll let you make the call. It's Brent Burns. I think he has contributed in Carolina this year. You know, I never expected to see him on that team ever. And, you know, I think he fits in really nicely there and is playing well. So, uh, you know, even though he's kind of a league star or he was a league star, I think he's playing a good role. And so and that's why I'll allow it, because he was a league star. And I think when he went there, people forgot about him. And Rob Brindamore Mm -hmm. doesn't really allow you to shine that much, uh, even a Svechnikov. So I I have no problem with you saying Brett Burns. Yeah. He's in, he's always fun anyway, yeah, Burns just personality is great. wise. Is. So love him. All right. Uh, World juniors are around the corner. We're going to talk about them a bunch next week. So this is a timely question. Who should the flyers be keeping an eye on in world juniors as a draft prospect? The U S list isn't out, but I'm going to go on a limb and say, Ryan, um, that Ryan Leonard's going to be on that list. And, and he would be my guy to look for because it's easy to say Will Smith. Will Smith will be on there. Will Smith is the faster player. Will Smith is the guy that gets a lot of the pub and is leading scoring right now for the NTDP. But Leonard, seems, for me, has a more transferable NHL game, the way he sort of makes room on the ice, the way he um, has a great shot, has great speed, but sometimes will just do it on his own. Like he just sees, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to get to the net somehow and do that. And I think that will – all of that will carry over. He's got a little more toughness than someone like Smith, and he's really well put together like a Jack Eichel, except he's smaller. So I, I think Ryan Leonard's a guy to watch out for because I think that is a guy where, you know, if you're not getting into the top five or six picks, you might he might get in your conversation. Some might think it's too early for him. Me, if I'm looking, if I have a club, it's not too early. And, I, you know, that's, where, that's at a point where you, you sort of supersede what the pundits and – central scouting say and you say you know what do we want a guy like this do we need that then let's just get him and that's what i always say if a team identifies a player and they say they want him and that's like their kind of player then you go get that player regardless of where you know right you know and you worry about the rest later for me i want to keep an eye on the goaltenders because they're newer to me just from uh, watching them play. And, and I, I spend so much time focused on the skaters when I watch World Juniors that I tend to like not really pay enough attention to the goaltenders. And, you know, at the camp right now, there's three uh, draft eligible goaltenders on the list. So one of them will get cut probably. But yeah, I think, you know, just giving given a chance to look at some eligible goaltenders uh, and focus on what they can do is uh, just, you know, something to fill a hole in my knowledge base. I like it. Yes. Related to that, uh, is, is there a redhead or ginger available in the draft the Flyers should keep an eye on? I have not noticed one yet. I'm now going to have to keep a lookout. Yeah, you know, we got to keep that tradition going. I know. Right I know. now. Right I think right now Owen Tippett is our top ginger, I would say. Yes. Yes. So, we got to get another one in the queue, Russ. Yeah, I get it. I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> check around. 
All right. Uh, wrapping up with our flyers fun thing. Uh, we talked about Cutter Gautier already in this episode, and uh, he's obviously been playing really well for Boston College. They mm-hmm. won against Boston University mm-hmm. a few days ago, and uh, the Boston College hockey Instagram has a really great picture of him with some really nice flex on the stick. So I thought I'd throw that in here today. I always appreciate good flex on the stick. I do. Yes, yes. And it was a two-goal second period for, yeah, for yeah. Gautier in that game. So not too shabby on that end of it either. All right, that will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. Of course, our next opponent is the New Jersey Devils. It's going to be a tougher game, I think, than the last go-round. So lots of stuff to talk about there. Plus, we'll have a prospect profile on Braden Yeager. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. If you want your question answered, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and their take of the day. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.